Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Macro Compass. Assuming no last-minute surprises, it seems like we might be getting a debt ceiling deal in the U.S., which means you should be prepared to get overwhelmed with financial commentators' takes about liquidity. Liquidity is a key macro variable if approached correctly. But the very unnuanced story goes like, the government needs to rebuild its Treasury General Account buffer at the Fed, so it issues bonds and it drains liquidity from the system. And here I can picture you guys thinking, what the heck does drain liquidity from the system means? What liquidity, what system, and is it true? So in this piece, we will show the real monetary mechanics that underpin a post-debt ceiling deal Treasury General Account rebuild. We will analyze if and how well liquidity, which is nothing else than bank reserves, predicts actually stock market returns. We will then explain the role that liquidity plays in our models to shape our macro ETF portfolio allocations and discuss our actionable investment strategy accordingly. Now, monetary mechanics are best understood through the use of good old accounting. So make use of the charts that you find in the article to properly follow what I'm about to say. In our stylized model, we will assume five players, government, Fed, commercial banks, money market funds, and households. And we will mimic each monetary transaction with the use of T-accounting. Colors will help you follow the flow of money. Let's start from bond issuance to actually fund deficit spending. So have a look at the blue components in the first T-accounting chart in the article. The government spends $100 in deficit spending. It injects net worth into the private sector. That's the $100 plus in household equity on the liability side. Now households have $100 more in bank deposits. These bank deposits end up as a liability for banks in blue plus 100. The corresponding increase in assets for a bank is a boost of $100 in bank reserves in blue. But the government also has to issue $100 in bonds to fund its deficit spending. It's on the liability side of the government in green. Banks will absorb this issuance by using the increased reserves of $100 and buy $100 in bonds. So that's a wash. There is no reduction in bank reserves when the government issues bonds to fund deficit spending. But now let's have a look at what it, it is about to happen now that the government will have to issue bonds solely to refill its Treasury General Account, as it's very typical in a post-debt ceiling deal period. Have now a look at the second T-accounting chart in the article. Let's start from the red flows. The government has issued $100 in bonds this time, but it hasn't spent any real economy money. So banks will have to absorb the newly the new bond issuance by depleting existing bank reserves. So bank reserves in red go down by $100 as banks need to buy bonds, which go up by $100. In green, you can see that the government has used the proceeds of bond sales to just refill its Treasury General Account. The TGA goes up in green by $100. And that is also reflected in the composition of Fed liabilities. TGA up by $100, bank reserves down by $100. And these are the mechanics. This is how a Treasury General Account rebuild drains liquidity, which is nothing else than bank reserves from the financial system. 
if the government issues bonds without spending the money in the real economy, and banks or the private sector must absorb the newly issued bond without any fresh new resources, it is bank reserves that take the brunt. Okay, that's clear, I hope, with the use of good old T accounting and this explanation about monetary mechanics. But why are bank reserves referred to as liquidity in the first place? Let's talk about bank reserves. Bank reserves are money for banks. Banks use reserves to transact against each other and with the Fed. And you can think of them as the lubricant of the monetary mechanics pipes. The more bank reserves out there, Chatteris Paribus, the easier it is for banks to engage in repo market transactions and provide liquidity to market participants. Reserves are also part of banks' high-quality liquid assets, and hence a bigger reserve balance might encourage banks to take more risks in their liquidity portfolio. For instance, they might want to buy more corporate bonds. This compresses credit spreads and it enacts a more favorable environment for equity investors. On the contrary, there are less reserves, as we expect with the TGA rebuild standard setup. Less reserves are often associated with banks taking a more defensive investment stance and also a more defensive stance in providing markets with less liquidity. So is it as easy as saying that the TGA rebuild will for sure drain liquidity from the financial system? And how do we best track global liquidity? What is the direction of global liquidity ahead? And what does that really mean for investors in the second half of the year? If you're eager to dig deep with us and read about some actionable macro analysis on liquidity for the second half of the year, come and join the Macro Compass Premium plat Platform. You'll get access to the full-length article, to actionable investment strategy, and much more. You can check which subscription tier suits you the most at the end of the article, clicking on the link or visiting themacrocompass.com. I will update again you guys very soon and have a nice day and thanks for listening as always.